0: First Thessalonians chapter 4, let's read verse 7 down to verse 12. For God hath not called us unto uncleanness, but unto holiness. He therefore that despiseth, despiseth not man, but God, who hath also given unto us his Holy Spirit. But as touching brotherly love, ye need not that I write unto you. For ye yourselves are taught of God to love one another. And indeed ye do it toward all the brethren which are in all Macedonia. But we beseech you, brethren, that ye increase more and more. Now, in other words, this church of Thessalonica was a church that was not only loving each other, but their love was reaching out to all the churches throughout the region of Macedonia, where Paul had planted all these churches. They were connected. And the Thessalonian people, the Thessalonian Christians, they were very involved in ministering to the needs of saints. And, of course, it's hard for us to appreciate what they were experiencing because we're we're well off. We we have stuff. Nobody uh, came to church hungry this morning. If you did, it was because you forgot to change your clock and you realize you didn't have time for breakfast and you had to hurry up and get here. But we we have food and clothing and all these things. But these folks didn't all have that. They were poor and they were often persecuted. And uh, Paul says, you are loving the brethren all over. But I love that he adds to that in verse 11, increase it more and more. Uh, it's good what you're doing. Praise God for what you're doing, but do it more and more. In verse 11, that you be, and that ye study to be quiet and to do your own business and to work with your own hands as we commanded you, that ye walk honestly toward them that are without and that ye may lack have lack of nothing. I want to begin this morning by reading the words of Thomas Kempis from The Imitation of Christ. I was reading this passage yesterday, and it's one that I have marked In past readings a number of times But let me read a portion of this to you Because what I'd like to speak to you about today Is that there is a good way to live There's a good way to live in the days that we find ourselves living in And they're not necessarily all good days The way we might want them to be good days But there's a good way to live in this day we're living in I feel like sometimes we've lost our way I feel like we've lost what that good way is but there is a way and I believe God wants us to be on that way and recover that way brother Cory read Isaiah 35 the way of holiness it's a way through desert land and through desert land is where God's people have always found the riches of his blessings we sometimes want to live in the bountiful lands We want to live where it's good and easy, but where it's good and easy, we forget God. And we have forgotten God in so many ways, in so many places in our life. Let me read what Thomas Kempis says A disciple is worthy of praise who goes outside seldom. Now, lest you get confused, he's not talking about walking outdoors. He's talking about going outside of our secret place of abiding in Christ. So let me read that again with that understanding. A disciple is worthy of praise who goes outside seldom, who leaves his place of abiding in Christ very seldomly, who tries to avoid both being seen and seeing others. I want you to think of our quest in this day for likes and follows and views and retweets. And I'm way behind on all the lingo, I know. I'm talking mid-2010 language, and I know we're in 2022. But you know what I mean. A disciple is worthy of praise, who goes outside of his place of abiding seldom, who tries to avoid both being seen and seeing others. Why do you want to see what you cannot have? The world passeth away, and the lust thereof, 1 John 2, 17. This is still Kempis. The desire of your senses draws you to go about. But when the hour has passed, what do you bring home but a weight on your conscience and a dissipated heart? When you spend 30 minutes on Facebook, or what's the other one? What's the one the women like? Pinterest, thank you. You spend 30 minutes on that. What do you gain when you walk away from that? But as he says, wait on your conscience and a dissipated heart. When you go out into the the malls, and, and look, don't misunderstand me. There's stuff you have to go get, okay? I'm not talking about the needs of life. I'm talking about the vain pursuits of giving our heart to the world we go to the theater oftentimes what do we get when we leave there but a weight on our conscience and a dissipated heart we sit in front of the television or the computer screen and the same thing happens why is that this isn't new thomas kempis wrote this in the 1400s the 1400s They didn't have TVs and theaters like we have them and internet and cell phones. And yet, he said, what do we gain but weight on the conscience and a dissipated heart, a weakened heart? I read on. So it is that all joys of the flesh arrive pleasantly, but in the end comes remorse and death. If you had not gone about nor listened to worldly rumors you would have preserved your peace. However, since you are often pleased to hear such news, you must expect your heart to be disturbed. It's almost as if he were here today preaching to the Christians of these here United States because we're often given to going, to listening, to watching, to desiring to lusting, we should expect our hearts to be disturbed. Have you lived with a disturbed heart this week? Have you felt at times that you've lost peace this week? I'll tell you what. It's no secret, is it? He was spot on. And Paul was spot on in verse 11 when he says that we should study to be quiet and to do our own business, and to work with our own hands. Friends, if we lived according to 1 Thessalonians 4.11, our lives would be so drastically different. We would know peace. We would know deeper love in our homes. We would know a deeper friendship among our church if we lived the way Paul calls on us to live here. It's the feeling of our lives with too much interest in this world that costs us the riches of God's peace and joy and love. That's what does it. Our interests are too much in the things of this life. And what do I mean by that when I say that? Because I know sometimes these phrases and this lingo you hear from the pulpit, it kind of we've kind of heard it so much, we sort of either don't associate it or we associate it with the wrong things. Well, so what do we mean? When we say that we give ourselves too much to the things of this life Well, we only need to read the words of Jesus to understand We're often like those in Noah's day and in the days of Lot Jesus says in Luke 17 Verses 26 through 32 and as it was in the days of Noah So shall it be also in the days of the Son of Man Now listen to what they were doing They did eat They drank They married wives. They were given in marriage. Until the day that Noah entered into the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. Doesn't sound so bad. So read on. Likewise also as it was in the days of Lot. They did eat. They drank. They bought. They sold. They planted. They builded. Doesn't sound so bad. But the same day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Even thus shall it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. In that day he which shall be upon the housetop. And notice this. And his stuff in the house. We got a lot of stuff in the house, don't we? We got a lot of literal stuff in the literal house. And we got a lot of stuff in this house too. Well, we're stuffed. He says his stuff in the house. Let him not come down to take it away. And he that is in the field, let him likewise not return back. And then he puts the punctuation on the lesson by saying three words. Remember Lot's wife. Because I'm going to say, and you know, that everything that's listed in those verses does not sound bad on the surface. I mean, they were eating and drinking and marrying and buying and selling and planting and building. What is all that? What are the interests of this world, this life under the sun, as Solomon refers to it in Ecclesiastes? Well, it's two things. It's carnality and commerce. Those are the two things that are mentioned in these verses. What were they doing? They were living godless, worldly lives. They were interested in just a few things. Eating and drinking and buying and selling and marrying and having a good time and making merry because life is short. Let's get all we can while we can. And in all of it, all of it, God was left out. Now you say, preacher, well, that's not us. We're here in church this morning. A whole lot of them went to church too. Whatever church was to them, In that time. And yet, when the judgment came, where were they? They were destroyed with all the rest. Even Lot's own wife got out of Sodom, but from a desire in her heart to hold on to the things that she felt she was losing, she looked back and she was destroyed because her heart was lustful toward the things of this life. And our hearts are often filled with those things. You say, what's wrong with those things, preacher? Are they not a part of life? Are they not part of the ways in which we live? Yes, but we find the answer in the words that Jesus gives us. He says, until the day Noah entered the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. He said, remember Lot's wife. There was no attention given to God, no time for God. Friend, if you rub out this hour or two on Sunday, what time have you given to God? Somehow we think, that we have earned God's favor enough. We've blessed God enough by being at the house of God once or twice a week. And that that's all he's required of us. That's all he asks. The rest of the time we can go about our eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage and buying and selling and building. We can continue to make names for ourselves, continue to pursue the good life, continue to live out our dreams And it is every bit counter to all that Jesus teaches us. We are anchoring ourselves and rooting ourselves in this world every single day and patting ourselves on the back and saying how good they're done for them, how how well they've done for themselves. Mark that man. You see how good he's done, son? You want to grow up and be like that man right there. Look at that. He runs a business. He owns it. He's achieving. He's getting promotions. There's nothing wrong on the surface with doing all of that except that the multitude does it every single day and God is not in it. God is nowhere in their thoughts. And we who say that we are followers of Christ, how are we different? How are we different? How do we live differently than the world? You see, idolatry, self-centeredness, irreverence for God, the diminishment of the soul for the fattening of the flesh and the increasing of our wealth and our stock, how are we different? 1 John chapter 2, verse 15 through 17, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in this world, the lust of the flesh, now he's telling you everything that's in the world. I've seen a lot of neat things in the world. I've gone to some neat places, and so have you. Well, can I tell you what Scripture says? All that is in the world is three things. Because, see, we we get it confused, see? God sure ain't against you enjoying His creation. And God sure isn't against you being a responsible man and providing for your family. And God sure isn't against you being a good mother and loving your children. God isn't against you doing your very best on your job uh, for His glory. But I'll tell you, when it's about the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life, God's not in it. And we must weigh our life by that standard. He says, all that stuff, the world passeth away in the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. So we're to do the will of God, and we live. When we do the will of God, we live. We live both now and we live forever. And there is a way to live a good life that is also a godly life. And here's the secret. You're going to have to have your heart renewed. You're going to have to have restoration of your thought. You're going to have to change your thinking. We're going to have to be convinced that what we've always felt was all right but has only produced weight of conscience and dissipated heart. We're going to have to recognize it's not right. It's never been right, but there is a way that is right and I want that in my life. I want to live with peace. I want to live with joy. I want to live in such a way that, friend, if I ain't got a dime in my pocket... And the bill collectors are hounding me. Not over my debts. No, 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 wait a minute now. Let me me clarify. There'll be some times you can get in some financial trouble not because you chose the way of debt and mismanagement. Life can happen, emergency. I'm going to tell you something. This world's not set up to take care of you. This world's set up to take everything you have. But I want to live in such a way that when they're coming after everything I got, I can say, I stand amazed in the presence of Jesus the Nazarene. Give me Jesus. Give me Jesus. You can have all this world. Just give me Jesus. That's how I want to live. I want to live in such a way. Let me say two things here that if I'm laid up in the hospital bed uh, by the end of this week, With a cancer diagnosis and been given just a little bit of time to live i want to be able if you come by to see me to look you in the eye and to shed tears of joy and praise and say boy i tell you it ain't gonna be long it ain't gonna be long and i'm leaving it all behind but i want to say something else and this is the harder one brother andy i want to be able to say that if one of my children is laying in the hospital bed dying of cancer I want to be able to walk into that room and say it won't be long. And it'll be all right. And I want to be able to shout victory no matter what. But I'll tell you something. Living with weight of conscience and dissipated heart chasing the world will not produce that kind of life and peace and wholeness of heart. It won't do it. So we have to ask ourselves, what do we really want? What do we really want? 2 Peter chapter 3. Let me read some scriptures here. In 2 Peter chapter 3, you'll notice a theme throughout all these scriptures. And that is this. The world is going away. And the things men chase, it it will be burnt up and destroyed and no more. And only God and his way and his word and his goodness will last. And so we decide today we decide today in this hour we decide what will i chase with the rest of my life what will i give myself to with the rest of my days second peter chapter 3 and verse 8 beloved be not ignorant of this one thing that one day is with the lord as a thousand years and a thousand years is one day god's timing is perfect the lord is not slack concerning this promise as some men count slackness God's promises are true. But here's why. Here's why some things are still going on and haven't been rectified yet. What is it? He's long suffering to us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And by the way, here's some good news. This very day before the sun sets, many will repent and come to faith in Jesus Christ. All over the world. Isn't that good news? How do you know that, preacher? Because he hasn't come yet. He hasn't come. But when he comes, it'll be because all that we'll have. And the time is up. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night in which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. Now I want you to just do a little quick inventory in your heart. If you had to compile a list of all the things that matter the most to you All right, i'll let you have your children. I'll let you have your family I'll let you have a few friends, but I want you to get down raw and dirty about it Your house is about to burn down. What are you hoping you can get out of there? Well, I hope I can get the garage door open in time to get my truck out boy How am I I gonna get all my guns and ammo out in time? How am I going to get my collection of jewelry, my books, my golf clubs, my name it. You see, it's that stuff that comes to our heart. That's where our heart belongs. You want to know what the idols of your life are? It's right there in that list right there. It's the stuff that you would panic over if you couldn't have it anymore. You're addicted to it. It's an idol you say, not in my life, preacher. I just enjoy doing it. I can quit any time. Well, why don't you? Prove it to yourself. Not me. But I'm afraid we're lying to ourselves about it. It's all going to be burnt up, he said. All dissolved, verse 11... And he says, seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness, looking for and hasting unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved and the elements shall melt with fervent heat? I want to ask you a question. Have you ever seen a fire so hot that it could burn up the sky? The heavens being on fire. I'm going to tell you something, friend. Our hope's not in this world. Our hope's not in the stuff. Our hopes are not in our bank accounts, our titles, our deeds, uh, our accomplishments and achievements that men will applaud uh, and accolades will be given. Uh, I'm going to tell you there is one place where it matters uh, and that is at the judgment seat of Christ uh, when the crowns will be handed out uh, and the rewards will be given. But let's be honest, we don't even think about that much, do we? Matter of fact, if we start talking about rewards in heaven, you know what the average good Baptist will say? Well, preacher, you know, I just ain't, I ain't doing it for the rewards. I, I'm just, I mean, I'm not in it for that. I'm just a lowly sinner saved by grace. You know what that reveals about your heart? You have lacked presence. And you have lacked time in the presence of Jesus. Friend, when you live in the presence of Jesus a while, you will not walk around like this You will lift your head up and you will say, Oh, (laughs) it's coming! You say, well, preacher, it ain't about getting rewards. It's not. Tell that to the Apostle Paul. He said, henceforth, there's laid up for me a crown of rejoicing, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give to me. You know the analogy he was making? The people of this world, they do everything they do to get the corner office and to get their name in lights and on the plaque and to win the trophies and the medals and to be applauded of men. And Paul said, oh, listen, I don't care about those platforms. I don't care about those prizes. But one day I'll stand before the judge of judges and the king of kings and the crowner of crowners and he himself will crown me with an award. And I got to tell you, he said, I'm looking forward to that day. Hey, if no other reason, think about what a blessing it will be to be that close to Jesus that he could reach out and put something on your head. That in and of itself is enough. Amen. Oh, uh, listen, I don't care if the White House calls today. This one, the last one, the one before that. Now, if George W. had called me, I'd have been pretty excited. But the rest, I don't care if they call. I got no interest in it. Got no interest in it. But I tell you I'm looking forward to that day. I don't understand it all Can't describe it for you. I don't know. I just know what the book says and what my heart feels And it'll be good I want to say something else It's really easy to get frustrated in this world You know as Kempis was He was helping us with that in what he wrote that I shared at the beginning there We venture out of our secret place with god and truth is we're going to run headfirst into some godlessness into some potentially soul damaging debris flying around in this whirlwind of the world it's out there i mean i it's risky business going out isn't it especially if you go out without the whole armor of god and and, and i just want to confess i find myself so often Too easily frustrated and irritated with the ways of men. And I mean what I said. I get too frustrated too easily. I get too irritated with what I see and what I hear when I'm out in the crowds and in the places. The things I observe and the things I feel. And I know that I shouldn't be so quick to condemn people. I know I shouldn't be so quick to run to unjust judgment about things that I don't have the whole story. And I know it's never right to be impatient or unkind. So I want to say this morning that we're never justified in behaving that way. I'm not, you're not. It's never right to be impatient and unkind. So that means I have a lot of confessing and repenting that I have to do. (laughs) I tell you, daily... I got witnesses sitting right here so I have to I have to be I have to have some integrity I got some bent out of shape yesterday afternoon it was one thing and then another thing and then another thing and then another thing and it was at least a list that long and if I think a little harder it might have got longer but just frustrated and irritated at, at what I see things I don't like Things that I feel are not right and I have to say Lord, I don't have the whole story I don't know everything about that person's life. I can't be that way I shouldn't be that way and I have to pray Lord Jesus give me your heart for people It's hard to do that It's hard that I I need that's that's miraculous. That's the supernatural And I have to remember something that came to me yesterday and I want to share it with you because I, I think it's good for you to think on also I was sitting at the basketball game yesterday, Benjamin's basketball game. I was getting so frustrated. And not the way you might think. I'm not one of those dads. I don't interfere with coaches. I don't try to coach my children when they're playing, never have. I sit there quietly. I watch. I pull for them. I pull for their team. But I do notice stuff. I do think a lot. I do lean over to my wife and tell her what I'm thinking a lot. Quietly, I don't make a scene. But I was watching all this different stuff, listening to all this different stuff that was going on while we were there, and I was thinking a lot of things, rushing to a lot of judgments. And here's the thought that came to my mind. As I watch the world and I observe what goes on, sometimes even in the name of Christ in our churches and our Christian organizations and activities, I have to remember this. I do not know all the answers. It's easy to complain. It's easy to f- critique. It's easy to say what's wrong. But if some, and in my head, I had the conversation in my head. You have conversations in your head? Like I'm pointing out all the stuff that I don't think is right. And, I, and in my head, somebody says, well, well preacher, tell us then what, what's the right answer here? And I had to admit I don't know. And this is the thought I had. I, I have to remember this. I don't know all the answers as to why things are the way they are. I don't know all the answers of how to fix everything. I don't know all the answers. I only know that much of what I see is not the answer. And so I'm compelled to come back to the secret place and say, Lord, show me. Show me the answer. Show me how I'm supposed to live. I'm going I'm to be done very soon. I want to get you to Sunday school. But to be honest, all joking, no joking, Just being extremely plain talking there are days when I really and I hope I'm connecting I hope you're seeing what I'm saying, but there are days when I literally want to flee from society There are days that I don't want to ever come back out in it again I want to be apart from it all and 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 I don't mean turn off the news and get out of social media I'm not really in those realms There's just times I want to literally like thomas merton described those desert fathers of the fourth century that left rome to go live in the desert in solitude because they said that society was a shipwreck from which every person must swim for their lives we're talking the 300s and i feel that way sometimes and i watch society today and i see the shipwreck more and more and so the question should i flee should i run should i go to the mountain should i should i sell out and and uh i liked athena's idea the other day it wasn't the whole idea but she said something that included me living in a cabin somewhere writing that part of it i liked should i do that or is there a way to live in the world and not be of the world is there a way to raise my son today where he does not become a slave to screens, to selfishness, to self-centeredness. Is there a way to do that? Jesus prayed that there is. Jesus in John 17 prayed on our behalf. I have given them thy word, he said, and the world hath hated them because they are not of the world even as I am not of the world. Now I've got to tell you something. I can walk out in the world and there's nobody throwing bricks at me. It's not that kind of hatred. It's not people hating me. It's the world that I live in, the the system, the way, the environment, the atmosphere, the attitude that swirls around us, it hates everything that I am. Jesus said, it hates them as it hated me. I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world. Why? We are needed in the world. We are the salt of the earth and the light of the world. And if I flee away, I will fail to be salt and light. Jesus said, I pray not thou take them out of the world, but that thou shouldest keep them from the evil. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. So let me, let me just bring it to a close by asking you to look back at 1 Thessalonians 4. Because I ask the question, is there a way? Is there a way to live in all of this? And be true and be faithful and be free and be godly. And in recent weeks, the Lord just keeps bringing me back to 1 Thessalonians 4, particularly verse 11. But there's a way of life described here, which is both in the days of the Thessalonians and in our own day. It's so counterintuitive, meaning it's not what we think. It's not the way we think we should be living when we look around. We think if I live this way, I am going to be left behind, trampled. I'm not going to make anything of myself. I'll be broke, homeless, penniless hungry, starving. Who can live like this? And so it's counterintuitive. It's very countercultural. But Paul nonetheless says in verse number 1, Furthermore, then we beseech you, brethren, and exhort you by the Lord Jesus Christ, that as ye have received of us how ye ought to walk in to please God, so ye would abound more and more. I just simply want to say to you, friends, I'm trying to call out the hard things as I feel God would have me call them out, but I want to say something very positive. I want to just tell you what Paul said there. What he said was double down on the good. Double down on the good. He's saying there, the ways in which you are living, the ways that please God, that bring you more of God, keep those up and double down on those things. Too often, it is the voices of people in the church that will come to us and say, come on now, come on, (laughs) loosen up a little bit lighten up lighten up you know it's okay nothing wrong hey hey nothing wrong with that i this i don't know why this example is in my mind but it is and i'm almost 100 percent certain i've heard of conversations in church among christian people talking about how much they enjoyed 50 shades of gray i'm not saying necessarily here but i don't know And there will be people that will say to you, lighten up, it's just a book, it's just a movie, it's just a TV show, it's not not your salvation, you don't have to earn your salvation, lighten up. Weighted conscience and dissipated heart. And people who are under those weights, whose hearts have been lost to the world, will be the ones that will whisper in your ear, it's okay, loosen up, lighten up, get over it. Paul says, no, 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 no. All those things you're doing that are good, that bring you life in God, double down. Do it more. Is church good? Go more. Is Bible time good? Read it more. Is your prayer life helping you? Pray more. Stay in there. Double down. I was thinking and praying over this yesterday morning just how often I live way too busily to be blessed. And not just to sound like a cool little title like listen to what psalm 119 says i was reading it and the first verses say blessed are the undefiled in the way who walk in the law of the lord blessed are they that keep his testimonies that seek him with the whole heart and i thought to myself man i love it in the mornings i love you know that first hour of the day goes by so fast i'll turn around and look it's like oh man it's time for toast and peanut butter already you know How does it go by so fast, you know? But I was thinking yesterday morning, but I could spend all this time here, and I mean, I love to dwell there. But how many times I get up from that place of secret prayer and that place of closeness, and I get busy with my day, and I'm so busy, 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 and I went all day without taking more time to be there. See, we are too busy to be blessed. The blessing comes in the abiding. The blessing comes in staying there. Paul says, double down on these things. The second thing he says in verse number 2 is follow the commands. Follow the commands. He says, for ye know what commandments we gave you by the Lord Jesus. I'm going to tell you something I've told you many times lately. You need to be in the Gospels reading the words of Jesus. Go there. Read the words of Jesus. You have been given the commands of Jesus. Do not neglect them. Every day, read from the Gospels. Read the words of Jesus. It will change your life. You will know Jesus. And that's what you need to know. You cannot know the Father unless you know Jesus. So, everybody that wanted an outline, here it is. Follow the commandments. Let me just point it out to you. So, verse 3 through 8, watch this. For this is the will of God, even your sanctification that you should abstain from fornication, that every one of you should know how to possess his vessel in sanctification and honor, not in the lust of concupiscence, even as the Gentiles which know not God. No man go beyond and defraud his brother in any matter. Remember the context. I mentioned this Wednesday night. He's talking about sexual impurity right there. Defrauding your brother, overreaching on your brother, overreaching on your sister, using them to satisfy your lust and the way you look at them, the way you think about them. Way you touch them or get close to them, and you're doing it to for perverted reasons. He says, "Don't you do that." You're to live in sanctification. That's number one command right there. Live in sanctification. He says, "Follow these commandments of Jesus." What's the first one? Live in sanctification. Now, how sanctified are you living? You see, because all that stuff, that impurity, that sexual immorality, that fornication, has got to be cut out of our lives. I'm just gonna tell you, we were on the marriage, and on Friday night. I finally got the TV working. I, they, they call those things smart TVs. Them things are dumb. I pushed the power button and they don't even know how to come on. That's a dumb TV. I tell you, dumb, dumb. Anyway, I worked and worked and worked and worked and finally got the TV to come on. And it was Netflix. Now I got excited. And I tell you why I got excited because that Netflix is the only place I can find King Julian cartoons. And I found them and watched a couple of them and then I thought well, you know, it's it's not quite bedtime yet I'm gonna see what else is on this thing and I scrolled and looked and scrolled and looked and scrolled and looked and I read Descriptions and I'm gonna stand here and tell you before God I didn't find a single thing that felt that a person who wants to live a sanctified life can sit here and endure But have you noticed how prevalent the temptation is? It's everywhere it's marketed and given to you. You don't have to go looking far to find it So friends we've got to draw closer to jesus. We got to live with sanctification Okay, I got to be done live in selflessness. That's what verse 9 and 10 tells us that brotherly love I read those earlier continuing that double down in loving each other more and more verse 9 and 10 Live in selflessness and then the third thing the third commandment was live in separation live in separation Now separation and sanctification go hand in hand, but they're not the same thing Sanctification means that my body my mind my heart is set apart for God This is God's God wants that for me, but separation means that I am going to come out from among them so separation Is what helps me get to more sanctification? until I separate I cannot be as sanctified as I need to be, so I must separate. But look at how he talks about the separation again in verse 11, and and that you study to be quiet and do your own business and work with your own hands as we commanded you. The loudest I'll be all week has been this last 45 minutes. Well, maybe Wednesday night I'll compete with it. But it's not really talking necessarily about volume. It's talking about that inner man. Study to be quiet You know how you get quietness of the soul You got to meditate there You got to study there You got to have some internal Seeking of God In Isaiah God said in Isaiah 30 15 Thus saith the Lord God the Holy One of Israel In returning and rest Shall ye be saved In quietness And in confidence Shall be your strength quietness and confidence be still and know that i am god now don't be a scoffer at these things we're done don't be a scoffer at these things don't be the one that that is of the voices that says uh you know a little bit of netflix won't hurt anybody a little bit of this won't kill you i told you wednesday night church those of you that were here i It's not even always about whether something is categorized as good or bad. It really comes down to this question, how much of God do you want? Because your soul only has the capacity for so much. If you give yourself to baseball and wrestling, Miss Carol, watch that, wrestling, Miss Carol. Give yourself to... You know to shopping and to eating and to pleasures and to buying and building and selling and oh And and what happens is all of a sudden that stuff that on the surface doesn't seem like a bad thing But it's so filled up our life. It's so filled up our soul. There's no room for God So here's the question child of God Christian follower of Jesus who wants to live as Paul taught us Let me ask you this how much of you Has been given to God and how much of you has been given to all this other stuff you see to have more of God God has to have more of you.